who has the most beautiful red hair, and you can't tell this picture, but he was watching, I don't know what he was eating over there, but he was watching, um, uh, uh, he loves Netflix, he loves YouTube. He's nine, going into fourth grade. And um, he was watching a YouTube video, no, a Netflix video on Wolverine. Don't ask me why, I didn't go to Michigan. <laughs> I don't know what the, the, the fascination is. We don't have Wolverine in Illinois. And he decided to take out his, his crayons and pencils and paper and, and draw a picture of the Wolverine, which I liked because I thought, oh, cool, he's, 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 he's combining the digital with a, with a more authentic. And he got to a point in the video where, in his picture actually, where he didn't know what the Wolverine's ears were for. And so he stopped the video, he goes to Google, he types in the world Wolverine, which he probably couldn't spell correctly, and he probably auto spelled it for him, knowing him. And um, click on images in the search options and looks at pictures of Wolverines and figures out they have short stubby ears. And goes back to drawing, goes, goes back to watching the video. And so that fluency, I mean, how many little kids do you know that can do that really well? It's not something that's taught through a set of lessons. It's taught by teachers modeling it and by people seeing it. I think Henry's picked up that stuff because he's around me, he's around his sister who's 13. He, he kind of has figured out how to do that in the context of our digital life, so to say. So we want kids to be able to figure out what the best source of online is for their information and how to get it. It may not be a traditional way of just Googling it. And in fact, probably the worst thing you can do for your kids with a research project is saying, just go Google it. You've got to scaffold it for your kids and you've got to model it. And it is not the domain of just the librarian. Any librarians here? Usually librarians are like, yes, 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 for that. Because this is something that everybody in school should consistently teach. Um, so that's Henry. There's his um, lovely Wolverine drawing. I don't know what the jet thing is up there. There's a, a, why a plane is above a Wolverine, but that was the, the, the final thing. And this is an example. This is a woman, um, this is from Facebook. Um, I asked Connie Weber, who teaches at a really interesting school in Michigan, it's a private school, they did a lot of cool projects. They do a lot of elder tech things with um, older people in their community and they're outdoors a lot and that sort of thing. And they, this is an example of how she modeled search for her students. You can read it, I don't need to read it to you. But they, she's modeling, she's getting up, she has a projector in her room and they can think through together what the process would be for finding the answers to their problems. And so this is the kind of thing that I think, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade through high school teachers, I guess, can model for their kids too. How do we figure this out? How do we do a whole group trip together? And then hopefully kids will kind of internalize this and do it themselves. So this is what we're trying to get our kids to be able to do. Okay? And we have to walk them through it and we have to talk them through it so that they can figure it out. Okay? Um, so if you don't know anything about Google, um, and I certainly didn't know when I started, um, this is their mission. Their mission isn't to take over the world, as some people may think. Right now, but to make everything more accessible. And for instance, with book search, um, people were like, oh my gosh, they're scanning books, they're going to violate copyright. They're just trying to, to get around bookstores. No, that's not the purpose. And I'll talk a little bit more about when you see that. It's to make the books more accessible to people in a lot of different ways. And sometimes it may be the full book if it's out of copyright. Sometimes it may be just a partial view of the book because it is so copyright. So, this is what drives everything that they do, and they're pretty, pretty, they're pretty focused on that. 
Um, there's a, a librarian in Columbus, Ohio, named Helene Flowers, who came to our Illinois Tech Conference a couple of years ago. And she said there's a new digital device. And I thought this was really powerful, and I borrowed this from her and used it um, several times. But it's not just about the, the hardware anymore. It's about the attitude. It's about what we're instilling in our kids in terms of their mindset. And there's a visual divide between those who know how to think about search and be strategic and those who don't, those who know how to validate what information is coming at them, those who know where to find information in hot channels, that means YouTube. For instance, kids will go to YouTube and they'll find out how a piece of music sounds or how to build something rather than necessarily looking at other material. YouTube is the world's second largest search engine next to regular Google. Um, those who understand the current culture of informal languages versus those who don't. I guess that means old study studies versus people who are hip. I don't know. Um, and I think this one, this one really speaks to me. Those who know how to get information that travel to them and those who still chase it. It works by their kids to memorize facts in the same age. You know, some of that's important, but there's, there's so much knowledge that's floating all over where there's no way we're going to be able to harness it all. So how do we chase it? How do we find it when we need it at the right time using the right devices and that sort of thing? Um, and, and I think also fundamentally what the point of Ed reform to me, those who understand that learning is a continual process versus those who view learning as achievement. I think that's the crux of what's going on. All the turmoil going on in education. You know, I want my kid to be a lifelong learner. I don't necessarily want them to be um, a regurgitator of facts. So it depends on your philosophy. I mean, everybody's different. Um, but this, there's a digital divide between kids who are critical thinkers, basically, and kids who are regurgitating. So in this presentation, these are my guiding thoughts. Search is the essential 21st century skill. Everybody needs to teach it. And how do we as educators help kids organize, access, and leverage a collection of information in useful ways just like Google? Um, so this is a, a, a video that I want to show you that's really fun, and hopefully it will work. It was on the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Let me pause it for a second. Let me make sure I go full screen. Um, it was their first ad. No volume on here. Oh, come on. I love the music on this. You don't need it, but... There's volume. Get off your mic and put it by it. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I don't think it's doing anything. It's not doing anything. Technical difficulties. I think it's kind of secondary to it, but it just adds to the nice feeling of it. So this is, this is what I love about this video is that it, um, sorry, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, sorry about that, oh my God. I think it has the word love in it. Oh, embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing. We're not filtered here. By the way, YouTube has a new program, if you don't know about this, called YouTube in School, which is an internet filtering study. If you don't know about it, you do want to know about it after that, okay? And um, it lets you just show content from YouTube.edu, and I'll talk about it in a presentation tomorrow on YouTube. 
Um, and it also lets you make playlists and, 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 and send it out to your students and that sort of thing. So, okay, anyway, so did you know? <laughs> did you know that you could find airplane, who's the one that you could track airplane flights before the video, okay? How many people knew that you could um, translate research? So, there's a couple of cool things that you can do in that search story. And they have a whole bunch of these search stories out there. They were big maybe a year or two ago. And they also have a search story generator, which is really fun to do with your students. So, they can form queries like this. There's copyright free music that goes with it, and then you can publish them. So it's kind of a fun activity to do with your students, as long as it doesn't get those related videos up there. Um, and then it's kind of, Google is kind of into telling these stories now that are more real oriented, more reality based. And this is one um, about a friend of mine named Cheryl Oakes who teaches in Maine. And her student who has, um, Morgan, who has a mild learning disability, and how voice search has specifically helped um, in Morgan's case. Um, again, I don't know if we're going to be able to hear this or not. There's no, it's on, it's the settings here. Um, there's headphones, there's, there's a bell here. I'm not hooked up to the bell, I'm hooked up, it's a, it's a projection system, it's this. And it says volume and I press it. Yeah, the Wes is going to get okay. somebody. Could you get that one if you use your mouse? It's not hooked up to this computer. Oh, okay. It's hooked up to this computer. So that's why it's not working. It's this system right here. It says lights on, lights off. And holding this up is not going to work. Yeah. Okay, so well, basically I'll tell you what happens in this. Um, volume manager. Volume. How do I turn the volume up on here? I did. Nope. It's playing, but it's not loud. It's so quiet. I can. We can barely hear it, but it's not. Okay. So anyway, Morgan is a kid who has learned disability, and there's voice search in Google. And so you can say, you know, search for Martha Washington or whatever, and it will pop everything up. And it's really enabled this kid who's had a hard time. There's some accessibility stuff that's built in. That's the bottom line with this video. Hopefully we'll get you it. Yeah, we have no idea. Or it's very, it's very dim. Try. 
researching. Everything that I found was just, you know, she'll never ride a bike, she'll never do this, she'll never do that. It's just devastating. Many of our special ed students have grown up learning that they can't do it. They've been enabled in some cases because we just haven't had tools to allow them to be independent. My job is to give them the skills and the tools to make them independent learners. Years ago, she had a research paper to do. They were taken to the library. She was left on her own to find books, which is too overwhelming. It's a needle in a haystack for her. Just handwriting is difficult for her. So if she can speak into something, it's not a struggle anymore. It's not a fight. Women in the Revolutionary War. Voice search just takes an inefficient search and gets rid of that and goes right to the topic that they're looking for. Then they can put a reading level in and self-select what they're able to read and understand. They save time, they found something that they can read, and they've been successful. They have to have that push to see the bright side of things. She'll look and say, wow, I did that. You know, so we don't hear it can't as much as we used to. I mean, color guard, when she came home and said she wanted to go to a color guard meeting, I immediately called up the coach and said, we need to talk. Because she has a spatial issues and we're giving her a six-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> for Google has changed a little bit from that kind of cutesy one to more real people stories. And that one I think is really compelling. Cheryl's an awesome teacher. If you ever get a chance to meet her, she's very active in the Twitter sphere and that sort of thing. So um, Google has really changed how everything looks, if you've noticed, in the last year or so. The design has really changed. And part of this has been also educating people about search. So if you download my slides, you'll be able to click on the underlying hypertext and you'll go right to this website which is all about search education. There's an area for tips and tricks, uh, features, the search story that I just showed you, and then playground where they have some experimental stuff, and there's a blog. Every product in Google has a blog for the most part. Um, one of the things that they have in the playground is called a Google a day, and there's also a Chrome extension and an app for this now, I think. But this is kind of fun. This is a fun thing to do. It's like, if you write a daily oral language in classes, you can uh, you get a daily search puzzle and you have to figure out how you're going to get at that. And it's meant for you know, anybody who wants to do it. It gets progressively harder, like I think Monday it's easier, and then Friday it's a little bit harder. Um, and they have, it, they have it set up so you can't cheat. It's kind of in its own little world, Google world, so you can't like, go Google the answer from somebody else who's figured it out already. Um, and they have previous ones that you can do and that sort of thing. So I think this is like really good practice for your kids. If you just want to do something simple where they can, you know, they can, they can try and solve this and then talk through how they arrived at the answer, that will help your, your, their skills. Um, this is the Chrome app. If you're using the Chrome browser, you can download it and we'll do the Google a day type thing. This is the search stories portion of their website. And again, things like Morgan's stories are there. And now they have this thing called the search education hub. And um, the lessons that I originally wrote have been redone and added to, and they were launched, I don't know, maybe two months ago, so there's that. They have live training, and they also have something called Duel for Google, which is a contest they do every spring. And your kids can design a logo for Google um, and enter in a contest and then start college scholarships and that sort of thing. 
We also had something called a MOOC this summer, which I'm sure the materials are still up. The MOOC is what you know it stands for? The Massive Island Course. And Dan Russell told me that he had 90,000 people sign up for this power searching MOOC that he did this summer that just wrapped up. And if you went to the course and took a test, you got like a certification and being a Google power searcher or something. I did not have the time to do it, unfortunately. But the materials are up there and it might be worth it. So this is the power searcher class. This is Dan. And this is a link to it so you guys can go back to it. He is one of the, the smartest men I've ever met. Everybody at Google is smart and 12. He's the exception to the one who's not 12. Um, and he is, he is on top of the search anthropology. He's a computer science student by trade. But he's really interested in how teachers do research, how people form these queries, how to get to the answer and that sort of thing. And he has a blog called Search Research, where he poses a, a pretty intricate um, search challenge every Wednesday, and then he talks people through it and that sort of thing. So he's the man, he's the lizard behind the curtain, so to speak, when you see the search stuff. And um, he also taught me about something called Control F on a PC or Command F on a Mac. This is the case with Google engineers. People go do trainings in Google in, in Google offices all over the world, and the engineers don't know how to do it or didn't know the power of it. When you search on a device with this, you can search within a page. So, for instance, let's say you're looking at a Wikipedia entry, and you're looking for a very specific keyword, you just control F to your keyword and it will highlight it on the page. It also works like this within applications, within Word documents, within you name it, you can search that thing. So very often if I'm using it with that spreadsheet, I'll do command F or control F and um, I'm looking for any particular person's name or something, and it'll pop right out after like five million entries. So this is kind of a search basic that a lot of people don't know about and kids don't know about, and I use it all the time now. So Dan was responsible for kind of getting me in. Um, helping your kids organize a search is really important. And thinking about what are they looking for, how would else somebody else talk about it, you know, giving them some kind of language and some strategies for how to figure out what they're getting at is really, really, really important. And the lessons that I developed with, uh, based on Dan's work kind of go into this a little bit more, but helping your kids strategize really, really helps. Um, these are some kind of basic things. I usually start broad and go narrow. I start with a couple of words. And if I'm not getting what I want or if I'm getting lots of hits of things that I think are not particularly relevant, I'll start adding more words to refine it. So that strategy really helps. Um, sometimes um, if I'm looking for something specific like a part, a name of a part of a bike, or not that I would do that, but this is an example, you search and you hit images in search and you look at diagrams. And you might find the word that you're looking for something like that. So looking in kind of not the traditional places for your 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 goals can also be very, very, very helpful. Um, uh, sometimes if you use specifiers like um, Montana population Wikipedia, it'll give you the answer right away. Or if you say, you know, bicycle repair user, you're gonna come up with sort of bicycle repair things like that. Okay? Um, when you're searching for common phrases, don't let out those, don't forget the set words. Uh, use quotes around things. Those are some kind of basic things that you probably already know that are really good to kind of install with kids. 
so this is a video uh, of Dan uh, talking with a Google search engineer. I just want to show you a few minutes. Of it. It's like a 20-minute video. I don't want to show you the whole thing, but I just want to give you an idea of what Dan does. So, Lee, I wanted to ask you about what it takes to do a Google search You've done a lot of searches in that kid's What makes it a good search? How do I do a good search? Okay? I would say the first thing is make it simple. That is, most of the time, it'll work very well without thinking. Just put the first thing that comes to mind and it will simple. Once in a while, that's not enough. So, that's not enough. I would follow the following um, strategy. Um, the first thing is think about the document. Think about what the writer would say. How it appears uh, where you need it. When you search on Google, you actually are not talking to a person. You're not talking to an oracle, but it seems like it's an algorithm. And the algorithm works by trying to match your words against what's written in the document, what's on the web page. It also works by trying to match what other people who search for similar things um, found in similar documents. So try to match what you think will appear so that's really important to teach kids how search engines work. That's my editorial comment there. But someone else would have written, and I mean my exactly. All the way, sometimes the strategy is even instead of asking the question, state the answer. Like instead of saying, when was this plane crash? You say, plane crash on Wednesday. Because the article will say plane crash on Wednesday. That's what you're trying to match to. It's not how we're thinking. It's about what someone else would have written. Exactly. You're matching to a document rather than talking to a person. Um, so this is this goes on, and you can watch it on your own. But it goes into these kind of strategy pieces that I think are really, 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 really important. Um, a lot of them are also outlined in these lessons that they've developed, and they're meant to be interdisciplinary, used with kids probably third grade on up. Uh, you mix and match, pick and choose, whatever ones. You don't have to do them in sequence. But these lessons kind of support that kind of stuff. Um, Dan and his uh, partner in crime, Tasha Bergson Michelson, are also writing in a blog called MindShift, which is one of my favorite ed tech blogs. And they have a whole search section talking about these strategies. And I think Tasha's publishing every couple of weeks an article about these kind of conundrums with search. My other favorite thing is um, called What Do You Love? And this, this is something that I'm afraid will go away. Ooh, there it's not there. Let me find the link. Um, it's called What Do You Love? And you type in a word like, um, you know, chocolate. And I can't even spell it. It will spell it for me. Um, and it will show you measure pop, pop, you know, you can put in, let's put something more fun, let's like move. And you can explore, it will show you different search features that could translate moose into 57 languages. Find books about moose, scour the earth for moose, um, call somebody about moose. Um, and it shows you different Google tools with that search term. So if you want to Google alert about moose, we had a big debate in my family on this vacation about moose versus meese and how that didn't, how that didn't really work. So this is kind of a fun little kind of gimmicky thing that they have. I don't, I'm afraid that they'll get rid of this at some point, 
Um, but it's kind of a fun thing to go in there and play with it. And I think it makes it fun for kids, too. All the different ways that they could look for their search term. Okay? So that's what do you love. So we're going to talk now about the search tools and getting some specifics. Um, there are four things I want to cover. Search options when you do a regular Google search. And if you have a computer with you or an iPad, Google got me and it's twice when you send it out. Um, and then we're going to talk about specifically about Google News, Scholar, and Books. And this is going to be like very speedy because we have so much to do. Um, everything is searchable in Google. Google Docs is searchable. Google Maps is searchable. Control F is our friend. Everything changes in Google and kind of shifts, and they don't like make some big announcement. It's like um, they just kind of roll out changes. And so every time I do this presentation, something changes, okay? Every Google product usually has, or at least Books, Scholar, and News, has advanced search. We also have preferences that you can set if you are logged into your Google account. And then there's usually something called RSS attached to some of these searches, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And every product with Google has its own blog, and that's a great place to stay up to date with things. So search options. When you do a search, well, if you've been searching on Google recently, this is last night, they've been, their logo, their Google Doodle, has been all about the Olympics. I just wanted to point this one out. So last night it had the javelin guy on there, and if you click on the doodle, it will take you to the search that's related to that doodle. Um, and then it also has, we have liftoff to celebrate 50 years of the Kennedy Space Center with Google Maps. They have Google 3D views of like the, the space shells and stuff going on right now that are pretty cool. Um, but if you click on the Google Doodle, this is what you would have seen last night, something like this. I have a Digo plug-in at the top, but you would have seen the rest of it. You would have seen the metal count. You would have seen the schedule, all sorts of things related to that. So it's pretty cool how they've made that information timely and relevant and accessible to us. But generally, um, when you do a search, you type in something like this. In this case, I typed in Native Science in Georgia because the last time I did this presentation, I was in Georgia. And you're going to get some called instant results that show up and give you suggestions. You can turn that off in your preferences, okay? There's a way that comes up with all these different suggestions, and I can either keep going with my query or I can choose one of those. And um, it's going to give me a list of websites, uh, which is my general web search. But if I click on images, it's going to give me pictures related to that, okay? And within image search, you can search by color, and you can search by size, and you can search by clip art or whatever. So when you do an image search, there's more refinements that you can do. So here I clicked on purple. I just wanted purple flowers that were native, I don't know if they're native to Georgia or here, but particularly, but um, you can refine things in here, and I think this is pretty cool. Now, just, some people are kind of clueless about this. I had a friend that argued with me saying, well, if you can search and find pictures on Google Images, then you must be able to use them copyright free. That is not the case. <laughs> in case you were, if you were, well, if you weren't clear on that one. There are an advanced preferences, I believe you can, uh, search by Creative Commons license. If you don't know what Creative Commons license is, you should. It's an alternative way of licensing content. So you can say, people can use my purple flower picture uh, as long as they don't use it commercially. Or people can use my purple flower picture, uh, but they have to give me attribution. There's six different types of licenses that people are starting to give to their work, and it's a really kind of important 21st century concept. Uh, and I believe in advance you can do that. Um, if I click on Maps in my search options, after doing my Native Plants Georgia search, 
it's going to show me where the nearest place is that has that fits that criteria. And in this case, it was Lenlet Botanical Garden, and I could say that that met to my maps and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm going down here. If I'm not being clear here, I'm going down here. If you do a web search, it's just your regular standard search. Images is what I showed you earlier. Maps and LMS videos. So if I do uh, native plant storage and hit videos in my search options, this is what's going to come up, a bunch of stuff from YouTube. And this changes here. And you may have to click on a little arrow, like more or something like that, to have this activated. Okay, there are a couple little arrows to make if you're, if you're trying to do this right now. Um, and so I can, I can say, show me the short videos that are about native plants in Georgia, or the ones that have closed captioning. Okay, so knowing how these search options work is really, really useful. Um, in this one, I did Atlanta Aquarium, and I clicked on News. Okay, so these are news articles from different sources related to the Georgia Aquarium, and a month ago they were they were going to get some more beluga whales, um, hopefully. So that was what was news for that. Okay. Going down that, my favorite. Uh, this is this is shopping. So going down the pike under news is shopping, and these are categories that you can you can refine things by price. You can find things in certain stores. I want Georgia peaches. I could get all these things in different places, and then they have a recipe one too that's pretty cool too. This is books, and I'll talk about books a little bit more. So I'm going to skip that for right now. And this is places, which is very similar to maps. I'm not sure what the difference <laughs> is. And then you can search for blogs that talk about Georgia native, Georgia native plants. And then this is my this is one of my favorite new ones. This is for flights. You can search for flights. So I wasn't going to search Georgia, Georgia native plants for this one. Um, I did uh, a flight from, uh, from Chicago here to Atlanta, and it shows you, you can search by time, price, all that different things. Very similar to kind of like um, Yakta or Kayak if you use any of those services. Um, but it's pretty cool. You can kind of plan your, your trip planning. Everything in Google, right? Uh, discussions are listserv discussions from places like um, yeah, you know, Google groups and that sort of thing. So if you want to find people who are discussing a topic, my favorite one I think is recipes. And so here I was searching for peanuts, I guess. And you can search by ingredients, uh, by cooking time, by calories, which is pretty cool. So I think that might be has some interesting implications. Uh, you won't need a cookbook anymore. Um, and they have a new one now. Let me see if I can go back and show you where that is. It's called Applications. So it's right underneath the recipes down there. And if you click on Applications under your search options, it shows you Apps. And this is this is like a month old. So just to give you an idea of how this works, let me show you how it works. Um, so here's my Google search, right? And I type in, you know, math uh, games K-12. There's my regular search, right? And I need to show my search tools, and I need to show more, okay? It used to have a little arrow, now it's changed. And if I click on applications, the first apps are going to be Ones, these are going to have ones that have to do with their ads. I don't even look at those, right? And then I go down here and it shows me apps that fit my criteria. 
and they're not necessarily iOS apps, they're also Android apps. Does everybody understand where I got that? Let me show you how it is. So let's say I want, um, you know, science, um, and then I click on applications in my search options here. And it's going to show me apps that have to do with science. And if I click on this, the science news for iPad, it's going to take me to its web-based splash page, okay? And then I can view it in iTunes and download it and sync it to my iPad if I want to. So I think that's really, really, really useful for teachers because remember how I said this morning if you were in the session, it's really hard for teachers to find apps that are going to be relevant to their stuff. And the iTunes store is not particularly conducive to searching well. This might make it a little bit better. And also, if you're not using iPhone apps, if you're using Android or another application, this might be, you know, another option as well. Um, so that's applications. Um, you can also search by penis. I mean, not by penis, by pat patent. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, what state am I in and what am I talking about? So here, um, you can actually look, I think this is really fascinating. This is kind of like a primary source kind of way of looking at things. So, um, so I was looking for like, uh, I don't know, like uh, harvest, peanut harvesters when I was in Georgia. And so you can click on here and actually see the drawings and documents and that sort of thing that are related to your thing. So you can put all sorts of things in there. As I said before, you want to make sure your search tools are showing, which is on the left-hand side. There's something that you need to click on that says more, and then another one that says search tools. And all this kind of stuff may be a little bit different depending on which search option you click on. Um, at the very, very, very bottom, there's a set of tools here that are really important, including one that says reading level. And this is particularly, this is, this is something that teachers really, really wanted. Let me break out of here and show you what that looks like specifically. So, um, so here I did my search for science, right? If I go down to the bottom of my page and I make sure that, um, I'm going to go to my web search. I mean, science is kind of general, right? And I'm going to make sure that my search options are totally open. What am I missing here? What do I not have turned on here? Browse books. Oh, I'm on books. I don't want to be on books. I want to be on web. Okay. So now I'm on my web search option, and I can click on reading level. And I can say, just show me stuff that's basic, intermediate, or advanced in terms of reading level. And this is what they were talking about with Morgan in that video. And I want to say, I have no idea what they determine as reading level here. I don't know how scientific it is or what they use to determine that. But if I want, you know, intermediate, let's say it's like a seventh grade level, then it's going to show me all items that would be applicable to that reading level. So it's one way your kids can differentiate and find stuff that might be more appropriate for them um, if they try that. So it's down here on the left-hand side of your search options when you're in web search. They also have um, a dictionary, and, some, and they also have, if you, in case you didn't know how to pronounce it, you can also pronounce that word as well. Lots of different definitions are there. Uh, personal is going to be people from in your network. If you're looked, if you're if you're clicked into your Google account, it will show people in your network who have, uh, have who have said something about science recently. Um, and then nearby is going to be 
It knows that I'm in Missoula. So it's going to bring it. It brings up Christian science. Uh, science 2010 in Missoula Public Schools. It's bringing up stuff that's nearby because it knows where I am. I'm logged into my Google account. And then you can translate foreign pages. And I have no idea what verbatim is. So we'll have to figure that one out. But knowing your search options is really, 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 really important. Okay? Um, there's reading. There's dictionary. Um, if you have your computer open, these are some things that you might want to try out too. There are search features that are kind of fun. For instance, if you type in Diz, Co, or Pep, what are those in your computer right now in the Google search? Can anybody tell me what that, what those things are? Yes, you know your stack. <laughs> those are the stack symbols for um, for Disney, Coca-Cola, and Pepsi. And so if you type that in there, it's going to tell you financial information about them. If you type in Colorado Rockies, it's going to tell you their last score, their last game, and it's going to show you when the next game is. Okay? Um, my favorite one is Earthquake. And I'll come back to this in a second so you can try some more of these, but i got to show you the Earthquake one because this is really cool. Um, earthquake. Earthquake. So when I do that, it pulls data from the U.S. Geological Survey. I'll zoom in so you can see it a little bit better. And the most recent uh, earthquake was in Indonesia, okay? And the magnitude was 5.4. And I click on map, and it's going to take me exactly where that was 16 minutes ago. Isn't that unbelievable? How powerful is that? And by the way, if you have not explored the U.S. Geological Survey website, tons and tons and tons of data oriented things that are fun for your classroom. I mean, if you're a geek like me. Um, you can download Google Earth files that have, like, all of that map data for, like, the last 24 hours and things and view it in Google Earth. All sorts of cool things. You can go back. You know, I, I knew somebody that did something with the tsunami, what was it, 2006? If you download, like, the, cam, the, the Google Earth files from that day, you can, you can see what was going on uh, from, from a scientific point of view. So pretty cool stuff. Um, you can do conversions, $2,000 in payphone, and it will tell you the amount. This is called um, this is called the wild card feature. So if you type in Jim Harrison was born, I'm trying to find some Missouri references here. Jim Harrison was born in in asterisk. It will it will find the data to tell you what year he was born in. So Christopher Columbus was born in asterisk. It's called the wild card thing. It will replace that data. So these are some search features that you can do generally with search that are pretty fun to do with kids. Now, news um, is at news.google.com, and if you're logged into your Google account, you can personalize this. And you can have it. I look at this probably two or three times a day because I'm a news junkie. And you have um, top stories are going to be here. Wherever you're logged in, like I was logged in in Chicago at the time, it's going to show you local stuff here, and then you can say how much of these different topics you want to be able to see. I think older kids with Google accounts, this would be really helpful for them to track current events. Past stories are here, um, recent stuff. You can get badges for reading different things. So I have like Apple, I've read a lot of Apple, Google, Mobile, and Steve Jobs articles, so I have badges. I also have a badge for reading too many Kim Kardashian articles, <laughs> embarrassingly enough. Um, and so this is what, there's a U.S. edition, but you can also look at foreign editions. 
Um, lots of different things you can do with it. There is a gear symbol in most gear at Google products that you need to pay attention to. It looks like a flower up there. And here I can personalize this and say, show me a lot of Chicago Cubs articles, but nothing on you know, social networking or whatever. I can adjust the sliders and have the news personalized for me. That's what it looks like. Um, that's a different edition. So if you're a world language teacher, this might be kind of useful for you. Um, and at the very, very, very bottom of the page, um, you can do the standard edition or your personalized one. But there's something called here called RSX. And you'll see an, an orange button where this is available. And think of this as a magazine subscription. If you're using something called a newsreader, you can subscribe to news updates in your newsreader without having to go check a new website all the time. Blogs have this. The New York Times has it. Um, it's a really, really powerful technology and kind of geeky. They also explain this a little bit here, too. So if you want to know more about it, that's a good place to go. But your kids, if you're teaching high school, your kids could do a search for a topic, let's say, uh, what's going on, Syria right now. You could search for something on Syria, save it, hit RSS and save that link to their Google Reader, and then they would get current updates about what was going on on that topic delivered to them on their mobile device or their computer or wherever they look at Google Reader. Okay? So instead of having to go out and look for new material all the time, you're getting that material to come to you. That's the difference. And that's like a whole other workshop, but I just want to make sure you guys are aware of that. Uh, they got rid of it, in which I was the best thing ever. They, they called a lot of things in the last year or so, and that was one of the things. And that was my favorite thing. It could also be a quote. Like you could put Ross Obama in there and then hit some area over here, and you would see all these great quotes by him. And it's very, there's still a little bit of that, but it's really limited. They got rid of some really cool things. This is advanced search, which is really, really, really useful. So here I'm searching for climate change, Georgia, but I only want to get articles from the Atlanta Journal. So let's say, you want, you, let's say you only want to get stuff in the New York Times because you think that's the best source of information. You could put the source in there. It's only going to return things from that news publication. So knowing how to use advanced search is really, really important. It's usually, I think it's up in the right, it's up, there's like a little, they've changed where this is. Um, so it's right under here. Here. So if I do like uh, Yellowstone National Park and I want to go back, I just did a regular search. And then I go down here and I want it to be the New York Times. Then it's going to bring up articles that have appeared in the New York Times about Yellowstone, okay? The other thing that it does here, too, is it says you can add this to your Google News homepage. You can have a customized section for Google News. And I believe it will let you do a news alert. At the very, very bottom, you can set a news alert for Yellowstone National Park and coming from the New York Times, and you'll get an email alert anytime something's published. Now, news alerts are a huge, huge, huge thing. You should have them set up for your school to see if anybody, well, I don't know. I, if, where, I, where I'm from, you never know what somebody's saying about your school. So you can set it up in the name of your school to see if it comes across in a blog or a news source, and then you're alerted to it. So that's one thing you might want to do. 
Okay? So that's Google News. And you can also, you know, um, you can also do this manually. The advanced search stuff, you can always type in as a query, but most people forget how to do this. It's charters, like here I did charter schools, source New York Times. You have to have the syntax correctly, but using the advanced search box might just be easier for you and particularly for your kids. So keep that in mind, okay? And you can also set news alerts there. So um, just some tips on how to use this. Scholar has changed recently, and Scholar was probably the last tool to be really kind of developed or, or re redeveloped. And in this, um, it's scholar.google.com, and it's all scholarly stuff in law journals and, and case law. And so you can find primary source documents here, particularly for high school kids, that might be useful. In this case, I'm searching for augmented reality, which is a kind of educational technology. Um, I can also, there's something in here. Um, it says metrics in the right-hand corner there, in alerts and settings, in my citations. If I hit metrics, it's going to show me the top publications of stuff that is in Google Scholar. Um, if I type in advanced search, just like I did with news search, I can do it by authors. So here's Chris Deedy, who's like the, the preeminent augmented reality guy at Harvard. And I can say, just give me his articles between 2000 and 2012. And it's going to return to me a select group. And so this is what it looks like when I look for stuff by Chris Deedy. And it tells you, it starts with the thing that's most cited. So this is probably one of his more popular works. And it's going to tell me where I can get it. I can get it from Northeastern Illinois University as a PDF over here. If you're logged into a university library and have access to their stuff, like here at the University of Montana, you might be able to directly get it um, through Google Scholar or, or be linked to the database that will get it to you. So it's awesome if you're in grad school. Okay, so you can change the range. You can look for legal documents as opposed to articles. And then it's also really helpful. I like to do an insertion here for John Dewey because he's cited so much. You can click on here and see who else is citing him. And you may find some other articles that might be helpful to your research as well. Okay. So, and you can search within them. And you can create an alert so more stuff comes up by the author as well. There are preferences, just so you know. Um, and you can set the languages and that sort of thing. This is one of my favorite things here. Um, you can say, show me just the library results from a specific library. Show me all the results from Harvard, from WorldCat, whatever. You can put the specific library that you want to search in here, too. And that's in your preferences. Uh, if you are a scholar yourself, you can have them keep track of your citations, which doesn't really mean much to me. Okay? In this case, I searched for uh, a guy named Gerald Bull, who writes a lot of ed tech stuff. And I searched for ISTE's journal called Learning and Leading with Technology and it pulls up everything that he's ever written for that publication, and I can see where to get it. So that's another example of how you can find the stuff. In this case, I wanted to look at legal documents. And so I searched for a patent, and I typed in Apple iPhone patent, and I didn't want to know anything about cases, but iPhone cases. I wanted to see the actual iPhone patent. And so I used minus to get rid of the word case, and I got all these different things. And that one, the first one that you see, it says electronic device, that's the actual patent for the iPhone. And you can, if I blew this up further, you would see 
This is the team of people who were responsible for it. Steve Jobs' name on there and Jonathan Ive and, and that sort of thing. And it also gives you um, it also gives you a picture of the device and that sort of thing and the drawings that went with it. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, you can find legal documents too, like Brown versus Board of Education, things like that. Primary source things if you're teaching anything related to law, you can find that. Um, these are just a few tips for getting going with Scholar. Book search is my favorite thing. And I'm going to just do a demo with this to make it go a little faster to show you how this works. Um, so books.google.com is here and you're going to see something that looks like this and you can go buy electronic books and that sort of thing in Google Play which is kind of like their iTunes and then you also have something called My Library where you can bookmark books to and then you can also research a topic here. If I go to My Library it shows you all these bookshelves that I've created and books that I've bought in Google Play and books that I'm kind of bookmarking for future reference. Okay. And so if I wanted to give you, um, let's see, so I've got tons of bookshelves. So I have like um, a shelf of books on, I have one that's kind of a, like a central reach. Where is it? Well, I don't know what government is. Okay, so essential, essential books. So these are books that I think are essential for every educator. I could give you a link to this playlist, to this list in my library of books that I think are, are essential for educators, okay? I've added them to my library, and I'll show you how to do that. So back at books.google.com, my library is private unless I give you the link to something. Um, I can type in, you know, Jim Harrison, and it's going to come up with all the books that he's written, right? Okay? And I can go, and I have not looked at these before, um, so I have no idea. A friend of mine that I was visiting in, in Livingston knows his daughter or something, so that's why I just, that's why I'm kind of, I was thinking of Montana authors. And I can add this book, I can get this book in print, and it will show me where I can go buy it. But it also will say find in a library. And this is the coolest thing, this is the access thing I was talking about earlier. So here it is, it's taking me to World Cat and it's going to tell me the nearest place I can get that book is in Germany. <laughs> so there's an access problem there, right? Um, but it's really, it's really kind of interesting. So WorldCat's not associated with it, but it tells you where you can get it at what library and that sort of thing. Um, then if you click on about this book, you can get a preview of it to see if you're going to like it, right? But about this book, it shows you reviews, and you can write a review as well. Lots of reviews here. It's going to show related books selected pages and contents and other editions. It will also tell you common terms and, and phrases. So, wow, T Jack Nicholson, he's mentioned a lot because he's in big words. So if I click on Jack Nicholson, it's going to show me every reference to Jack Nicholson, which I'm sure is really positive, right? And, um, and, you can, um, and then you can actually go look at it and see where it is a little bit more. So I think this is kind of interesting. If you do something like... Um, Oh, name of a Shakespeare book, something, uh, Macbeth, let's try Macbeth. This book is out of print, right? I mean, it's not out of print, it's out of um, copyright. So you should probably be able to find a version of this that is not the full, that has the full version. There's got to be a full version here. Oh, I, don't, I want books, I want books. I don't know if this one's going to have it or not. This looks like it's an analysis. Um, 
and you click on about this book, sometimes you'll get the full text and you can search with right in right with this looks like it's a book about Macbeth. Um, it depends on what book it is, how much extra information is given with this. A lot of information looks like it's given here. Um, some books used to have maps associated with them, like the Long Goodbye shows you every location in the map that was mentioned in the book, and that's gone now. I don't know why. At the bottom, they give you bibliographic information. Here's that QR code, so you could scan it and go right to it. Um, so you could put your whole, the whole point of me telling you this is that if you're an English teacher or you want a set of books for kids to use or look at, you could make a shelf in your, your library and give them the link, and then they have access to your, your, the books that are on your syllabus for the, for the school year. And then they can go buy it wherever they want. They could go buy it on Amazon. They could go try and buy a digital copy. They could do whatever they wanted to. But you were giving them access to where to find that book and what you want them to read. So it's a way to organize yourself digitally. Um, I'm trying to think what else I need to tell you about. I love Google Book Search in general. So you've got the My Library. You've got, you can buy e-books that can be read on lots of different readers. Some are free if they're out of copyright. Um, here I did a search for Pat Conroy, who's one of my favorite Southern writers. Gives me a preview of it. Shows me where I can find the great Santini. Um, I can add to a bookshelf. That's what I'm doing right here. I can also get the link to the book. I can also embed. This is like a YouTube code. You know like how you can embed YouTube videos on a blog? You can embed the book preview in a blog as well. Um, that's about this book, reviews, related books. Here are the different keywords that are common in his book. And then you can look and see where different references are. These are books that I bought that are on Google Play. Um, how appropriate, River Runs Through It. It was only $3.99 that week. Um, so anyway, that's one of my favorite, favorite things. So it's kind of fun to, to search for different authors and see what kind of information comes up about their books. Um, you know, if you search for Midsummer's Night Dream, you, you might find a free copy of it. Um, and make sure that you're logged into your Google account to use the My Library feature, okay, in order to do that. So some resources for all this stuff. Um, Inside Search is that one website I told you that has the lessons and that sort of thing. And these are some kind of cheat sheets on how to do search features, how to do some of the shortcuts I showed you. I also run a, a bookmarking group in Digo. I'm using Google tools in general in education, and we have like 800 educators who are bookmarking their favorite Google stuff to this group, so it's a little bit curated. Um, and finally, you know, plan on learning new skills. Nothing stays the same. Um, these search engines are always getting better. Google is constantly refining it. This is their bread and butter. This is how they make money through search and advertising. That's their business model. Um, so they're always going to be really focused on that. And you've got to model this with your kids, and you've got to ask your school to kind of develop a research stance so that your kids have a consistent experience from teacher to teacher on how you find stuff in general. Okay? Any questions about this stuff? I know it's a lot of information. I know this is a lot of information. I know it's a little dry, but I think it's really, 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 really important that you help your kids develop a critical thinking skill so they can find what they need. Yeah. It's fine. Newbie questions are fine because this is overwhelming. Uh, one of the issues I run into is like, you know, assign a topic to some kids and uh, you get back date, time, date, I mean, it's kind of... Date of information? Yeah. And 
is there a good way to engage the search such that they find out what makes that topic important? Civil rights. Okay. 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 So they find the issue. So they find the issue. Okay. Here's here's why I think it's really missing with ed tech in general is that we're so focused on the tools and everything like that that we're we're, we're the depth of everything sometimes gets missed. Sometimes goes missing. Like a lot of schools are focused on you know let's use this tool to do that tool and not thinking about the pedagogy first. And I had one school that I worked with that said. They were using something called Comic Life to do comic strips with their kids. And the kids were at one point were like, I'm not going to tell right. They're like, it's cute, it's fun, whatever, but we're bored with it. Because there wasn't a lot of thought going on behind the, the inquiry process, right? And so I'm thinking, like, is anybody using Understanding by Design in their classrooms? Okay. So Understanding by Design is one, it's Grant Wiggins and Matisse, uh, something Matisse. Um, ASCD promotes this quite a bit, and it's starting with essential questions in whatever unit you're doing. It's inquiry. If, if you're, that's what I would focus on for yourself, is looking at some models of inquiry to get the kids thinking ahead of time, and then they base their search on that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. Um, I'm trying to, and I'm not an expert in it in, by any means, but um, uh, let me find understanding by design. Oh, I don't want global education. So ASCD is a big promoter of this. And it's really not, this is probably the basic book for it, but it's really not, um, I don't think it's anything that would be rocket science to you, but they basically have a kind of backwards design. Do you want to talk a little bit if you work with it? Okay, sorry, <laughs> I'm picky on you. The one person. Okay. So it's kind of starting with big ideas, right? Okay. And then essential questions. Do you find it easy to plan lessons that way, or is it harder, or is it just different? Okay. It fits. Okay. Okay. So I think that will help more than the actual searching thing. It's, it's coming up with a model in your classroom of how you want your kids to go with that. And I, that's what I've really been trying to encourage schools is like, what's your philosophical stance, curriculum wise? I was in Singapore working with teachers um, in May, and um, I taught them about the philosophical model, for instance, and they're like, oh, that's blah, 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 blah teaching. And I have no idea what they said it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was old hat to them. It was, I think they might have said it was reciprocal teaching or something. I can't remember what. But they knew their methodology. They knew these philosophies like cold, and better than I could ever hope to, to know. And I'm, I'm thinking that's what drives us. If we have lots of things back with, um, back, you know, out of our, our, our bag of tricks, we have lots of different kinds of things like that that will help us. 
So, and I think understanding product design is one of those. Inquiry-based stuff in general. All right, what time do we go to? Are we done? Okay. If you have any more questions, please let me know. www.lucygray has all this stuff and everything's clickable. Make sure you turn in your evaluations and thank you for being so patient.